Welcome back, City of Champion listeners. So glad to have you with me on another day. This week, I had the pleasure of meeting a truly thoughtful and engaging guy who reached out to me a couple months ago with an opportunity. Cody Price is the organizer of the Rise Up Challenge, which is an obstacle course race uh, similar in nature to an event like Tough Mudder or Spartan Races. The race is in its fourth consecutive year operation, and it's getting bigger every year. The word RISE is in the title of the race because it stands for Resistance, Integrity, Strength, and Endurance, and is indicative of the race's founder, incredibly so. 11 years ago, Cody was diagnosed with MS, but he didn't let that stop him from overcoming obstacles in his life. When his neurologist strongly recommended that he stop competing in these obstacle races back in 2014, he decided to start his own and to teach others the joy and empowerment that completing these races can bring to all other parts of your life. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Cody Price. Uh, and I have to thank you, Cody, for joining me today um, on another beautiful day in Edmonton, but it doesn't look like this weather's gonna last for us. Yeah, it's funny, We last weekend, it was forecasting to be plus 23 this coming Saturday, and now it's looking for mid-teens to rain and thunderstorms. So looking at the race that is coming out, that course, you know, if it was last week's weather, perfect, fast, clean course, but if it is going to have a thunderstorm and it's going to rain Friday, Saturday, it's going to be wet, it's going to be cold, muddy, and uh, it'll be a completely different experience yeah. to, for the people that are going to participate next week or on Saturday. So this race that we're talking about is the Rise Up Challenge, which uh, Cody reached out to me um, and asked if I'd be interested. First, I think he asked if I'd ever done one of these before, yeah. and an obstacle race uh, similar to Tough Mudder. What are some of the other ones? Mm-hmm. Tough Mudder, Spartan, Spartan, some of the more Alberta, there's Mud Hero, yeah, Warrior Dash, things like that. Yeah, and I, of course, I've never done anything like that. Um, cardio is not my forte, um, but I don't. I like a new challenge. Let's just say that, and uh, and I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, and I've been training a little bit. Yeah, yeah, been out there doing the stairs in the River Valley um, and biking because yeah. I get the uh, MS bike race the week after. Um, but you know, talk, let's talk about how the race got started. Okay. So it, um, I think it, it really, the first event conceptualized around 2015, but I think even before then, I remember when I first got into personal training in 2009, uh, one of my goals was to create an event. And I think at the time it was probably more of a running event just to, be able to affect people um, on a mass scale instead of individually or in these small boot camp classes. And so it, uh, it's one of those things that in your mind, you know, it's in the works and those ideas. And then they, over time, as you keep thinking about them and you become more passionate about it, it sort of solidifies into some actionable items. And I think that was one of the driving forces to it. Uh, going back to how it physically got started, I'd say in 2014 is when I took part in these types of events. Mm -hmm. And I think I did about 10 or 12 in the one year. That was your first obstacle race? Yeah. You did 10 or 12 in a year? Yeah, because at that point in my life, 
it was all about the experience. It was, and this is for most people, it's all about getting that medal at the end of the race, mm-hmm. getting the photos of you conquering these crazy obstacles and doing these awesome feats. And so it come, becomes somewhat addictive right? where, you know, you just want to do them all. Anywhere you can find, if you can drive, if you can fly, you just want to do them. Yeah. And so that year I did a plethora of them. And unfortunately, after that year, I went to see my neurologist and he his jaw basically dropped because he was shocked that I had been doing this over the summer. <laughs> and he pretty much said, this is, uh, this is not good for your MS. Just, you, you got to stop. Yeah. And so that put a hinder on on the passion of it and why I enjoyed it but then it sort of opened up the door to you know if I can't run then how about I teach how about I train people who could do this right and bring that experience to them and so in 2015 I started training people to actually participating in these events on their own and by doing that I did some market research and you know, looked into what's out there in, in that day and age and, and what are the challenges, how's the industry evolving. And through that, you sort of learn, you know, some of these events that are not so much man-made structures and things like that, and they're more natural, well, that's something that we could bring to the city. There wasn't really anything like that going around in Edmonton or even Calgary at the time. And so I set out on on conceptualizing an event that really focused on utilizing the elements within our city and within our trails and our river valley and trying to figure out if hey can we make in you know quote unquote obstacle course race without building these huge structures and really utilizing what we have around us to get that physical exercise in and so that was probably February 2015 and over the course of say six months we planned, we, you know, we got creative and we tested out the obstacles and the concepts and then threw it out on Facebook to say, hey, we're going to try and put an obstacle course race together in the Edmonton River Valley. Who wants to give it a try? Who wants to be, you know, our guinea pigs and test it out? And that year we ended up getting about 50 people, surprisingly. And so... Who'd you reach out to? Just threw it out on Facebook. Yeah. And once we got, you know, a little bit of interest, we were hoping for maybe five, ten people that we could just run through the ringer. Right. And we ended up with 50. And so we worked with the city of Edmonton to get the permits, to get the plan going and make sure it was all legit. And then ran the event in October of 2015. Mm-hmm. And it's funny when you look back, the original concept was not so much... Uh, 5k obstacle course race which is what it is now you know catering to everyone from beginners to the super athletic but back in the day it was all about testing your endurance physically and mentally and so this first event no one really knew what it was about they just signed up and and agreed to do it sounds fun obstacle race right it sounds like going to a playground and just bumming around for a bit yeah exactly and so what they didn't know is that that course was actually 15 miles and I think there's 25 obstacles but these obstacles are not or they were not you know jumping over a wall climbing under barbed wire doing burpees carrying sandbags whatever it may be these were endurance obstacles I guess you could say where we had them go down to the North Saskatchewan Mm -hmm. grab a 50 pound boulder for example 
and then carry that two kilometers right to where we we said okay you can you can let that go now and, and move on and so that's where it really played off the physical component mm-hmm. and that mental component because if you're carrying a boulder for two kilometers you're gonna get so exhausted your arms are gonna hurt your legs are gonna hurt but then your mind is gonna be telling you just put the rock down right this isn't worth it nobody's watching you just put it down <laughs> just keep going so you're trying to find the balance between what's gonna break first the body or the, or the spirit right yeah exactly and that was the whole goal because when I was running in 2014 I did the event the Sun Peaks Beast was mm-hmm. sort of my last event and that year the event was 14 and a half miles up and down the mountain I think the first six miles of that race was uphill and that almost broke me and there were several components or several moments on that mountain where you know I broke down crying inside mm-hmm. uh, where I could barely walk I know about mile 12 I think it was where we were going back up the hill after we just had come down to the bottom and they sent us back up where my legs were so shot that I was crawling on my hands and knees and not even to a point where I couldn't even do that for 10, 20 feet without having to break for mm-hmm. minutes because there was just so much pain pumping up and down my legs. But with the help of and the support of the people I was running with, we ended up finishing it. I think it was nine and a half hours. We finally got across that finish line. We got our medal. There was tears and cheers and what have you. But it was the mental component of just push forward, right? Yes, it hurts, and and yes, it feels like this is never going to end, and I'm stuck on this mountain, but the mental component of pushing forward, and at the end, finally, that success of, you know, I, I did it, right? And and that's what, what you keep with you, right? That's what you remember years down the road, when, right. when you have other obstacles in life to be a professional or personal that you have to overcome, but that's the element and that's the feeling that I wanted to bring to the events that we did here in Edmonton and so that's how the, our event started is was they were long and they were enduring I remember this one obstacle that we had where it would have, it probably for the people that did it was the most frustrating so we took these two these two cinder blocks and they were a cinder block broken in half so I think they're called A blocks but you had to take two cinder blocks, they're probably no more than five pounds each, and you had to put one cinder block on the ground, you had to stand on the cinder block with both feet, then you had to reach down, squat, deep squat, grab the second cinder block, move it forward ahead of you, and then step onto that second cinder block, then reach behind you, grab the cinder block you were just stepping on, and put it ahead of you. And then you so you had to go like that, making your way down the field, for probably about 100 to 200 meters and then turn around and run that back to the start. And that obstacle in itself, such a simple movement, you know, squatting, Mm -hmm. lifting up with your bicep, squatting, putting it down again. So simple and so easy, but do that 500 times, Right. right? Over a course of, you know, I think some of those people took an hour to do that, maybe even more that mental component of you're sitting on this block and yeah it's easy but then after you do that for however many times the legs start to hurt the yeah. muscles start hurt the mind is going and you want to give up but part of you is saying you know we really pride ourselves you know the words rise up r-i-s-e stands for resistance integrity strength and endurance and it really pulls off that mm-hmm. because you need to have all of them to actually complete these obstacles so they really mess with you 
and uh, yeah, the people that that complete it, um, it does it changes them for the better, right? So I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> no, that well, that was a really good story about sort of how the how the race started and and how it's evolved. Um, mm-hmm. I can only imagine like the in, like not only the repetitive motion of that one task, but like the mere incremental gain that you're getting mm-hmm. every time of like okay, here's a little bit forward and here's yep. a little bit forward. Yep. And and it's like, you know, when you climb a mountain, you, you try not to look up for as long as you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then hopefully a couple hours in, pop your head up and think, oh, I've actually made some progress. Well, yeah, that's, uh, there's, I don't know if it's quote or whatever, but, you know, it's, it's interesting. You don't look ahead to see where you have to go. You look behind you to see how far you've come mm-hmm. uh, to sort of put things in perspective. And it's those sort of, you know, cliches that, that can really help people move forward and keep going, regardless of what the obstacle is, if it's at an event or if it's in your home life, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But I really feel like that's how you uh, progress personally, mm-hmm. is by challenging yourself mentally and physically. Yeah, well, we have so many different um, uh, spheres in our lives of personal, physical, uh, mental, you know, like relationship wise. And they're all, I kind of think of them as all as like bubbles. And the reason why I accepted the invitation and why I like to take on new challenges is to continually push that sphere of comfortability wider and wider, right? Like we grow outside of our comfort zone. Um, and you know, what you accomplish in certain aspects of your life can bring, uh, a confidence and sort of a swagger and, and momentum to the other aspects mm-hmm. of your life. Sort of, it's a big reason why I started this podcast is I had had, you know, a few successive uh, project projects that I had never attempted before that went really, really well. So I was in a really good place and momentum in my life where I just I mm-hmm. felt like I can accomplish anything and no matter what I set my mind to, I'll figure out a way to get it done. And yeah. at those times, you think I'm going to have this forever, but you know, as projects slow down or some some gain a longer timeline or or you complete a couple and then go go a little bit longer without having another one you you can see that momentum start losing and i'm 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 discovering the more i go through life almost 30 now that so much in life is about momentum and that's why i have a really hard time accepting downtime yeah like i i always try to be doing something productive um, I don't like to just sit and relax. I don't like to just turn on the TV. Like there's so many great alternatives to that, whether it be reading or even making a phone call to a family member that you've been putting off for a while. Like there's always something that you can do to build and expand those spheres in your life. And, but I think it's, we've got just so many distractions in our life that, that are, take the place of the things that we should be doing. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, they're just like a mind suck. They just wheel you in and the worst is just like scrolling through Instagram and do it for like yeah. three minutes while you're just sitting there and next thing you know 30 minutes have gone by you're like that was such a waste I accomplished nothing yeah well it's almost a double-edged sword because when you be cut, get to a point where you're so busy and you're constantly go 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 that downtime even though it's good for you and it's needed mm-hmm. while you're in that downtime at least for me anyways you feel very jittery and on edge because in your mind, although you know you're watching TV or you're watching a movie or you're going for a walk, yes, you're relaxed and you know you're moving at a slower pace. But in your mind, you're thinking, okay, I have here's my to do list for the next two hours or for mm-hmm. the next week, and you're constantly going over that. And so, 
you're in a sense not relaxed you're less relaxed than when you're busy doing things right yeah you can relax being productive because you know you're accomplishing things and you're whittling away at that to-do list yeah and it's just uh it's tough at times and so you know it's almost like you have adhd and and you get to a point where there's so much to do where you're almost indecisive because you don't know what to tackle and where to tackle it right so it's it's interesting you mentioned so this is your first one so for you being new to this what are you nervous about i'm not nervous at all um i've had a secret desire for a long time now it won't be so secret to go through like a uh, marine boot camp or military style boot camp um i've had i wasn't a very athletic kid in high school um i started working out in grade 10 because i lost a girl to the better more gifted athlete better looking dude so i said i would never let my physical fitness uh, hold me back from anything and of course, as I started, you know, training and getting stronger, that helped me in my sports. And although I missed like the prime of my development at like in yeah. high school, I still found that I was excelling in my recreational sports. So hockey, skiing, water skiing, rock climbing, all that kind of stuff. So I, I, I did it. I got into fitness for the wrong reasons. Right. But what I've learned now over the last couple of years is how important not only has it been to my active lifestyle, but also to my mental health as well. And, and I, I try and take on, I think I try and structure my day in, in such a way that while I might have things that are taxing, I, it's allowing me to recharge other elements of my of my mental bandwidth. So mm-hmm. so while I'm working out, yeah, I'm physically draining myself, but it's it's calming my mind to allow me to take on more higher, higher process tasks. So writing or answering emails or things like that that require that cognitive energy and then when I find myself really zapped like that like I spent the whole morning and first part of the afternoon in the office doing that kind of work well then I have a conversation in a podcast like this and I find that just charges me up again and gives me energy to either actually go back for a second workout or to jump back into sort of the uh, the administrative work as well Mm -hmm. Um, it's just such a nice break so while I'm I never have the downtime to like relax I'm recharging certain elements of my psyche so back to your question of what am I nervous for um, I'm nervous for, I think I'm only nervous to, to, I don't know. I'm not nervous. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm grasping at straws, trying to find something. I know like, and this, I think this goes into something I was going to ask you because, um, you said these initial events started off as bigger, sort of more, more right. endurance, but now the course is 5k, which is significantly shorter than 15 miles. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm not too worried about that element of it. Um, so you've dialed back sort of the, the the duration of them, is that right? Yeah, I think the the duration, I guess you could say, or the length, and also the time it takes to actually complete some of these tasks. And that was simply just to make it more inclusive to everyone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not having to be uber athletic to to even take part in these two experiences. You could be a stay-at-home mom, you know, a mid-40-year-old man who works at the office, who probably could lose some weight, what have you, but might not be loving the gym life and the active lifestyle, but wants to start. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's inclusive to that. And it's, especially when you talk about the 5K, it is open to children, Mm -hmm. where if you have a family that wants to get active and be active together and and do activities together and experiences, then this is available for them, right? Right. You can run the course, 
someone who's 12 and up can run mm-hmm. as long as they're with a parent or guardian mm-hmm. to sort of be responsible for that person and ensure that they're doing things safely. All the obstacles that we have with the 5Ks are safe and they've been tested and tried out from both the beginner and the athletic style. So it is doable for anyone, but just being able to open it up to people in their teens and being able to do it with their parents or their friends uh, really changes the element of the race. But there is still that element of endurance. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a multi-level option. So those people who may have been with us in the beginning who are still looking for that challenge or even those who are looking for something to complement or supplement their training for a bigger endurance event like the 24-hour World's Toughest Modern, for example, they can do the multi-lap where they have six hours to do as many laps as they can of the 5K course. So... The record right now for the for the course is for the women it's four laps, and so that would be about twenty k mm-hmm. with about eighty to one hundred obstacles mm-hmm. over that period. How long is the period, sir? Six hours. So, okay, six hours. And so for the men, it's five laps. Yeah. And so with this event on Saturday, it's a five k course. I think I've gotten down to point one of a kilometer between that five k, mm-hmm. and so it's five kilometers and there's 29 obstacles on it so i have no doubt that that the record will be shattered by the women and potentially the men as well but it'll be a very fast-paced course so long as it does not rain uh, on friday saturday leading up because if it does rain yeah there's a couple sections in there that are going to be quite muddy there's one section where it's just straight downhill when you head back towards the finish line and that is slick as it is so I can only imagine what it's going to be like. But it's at the finish line? It's close to the finish line. So you just so slide on into the finish. One K away, yeah. <laughs> so it'll be funny because people will be somewhat dry. They'll probably be pretty clean. Yeah. But once you get to that hill, if it does rain, it's just going to be a mudslide basically. Right. So you might see people coming in just covered. I think like, especially if, I think if you get dirty early, I think that helps. Once you're dirty, you break that barrier of like, oh, I don't want to get muddy or I don't want to get wet. Yeah. Like once once you're there, then you're there. So you may as well just push through it. Yeah, it's sort of, uh, it's it's funny that mud, I don't personally like the mud when I was doing obstacle course races. Mm-hmm. And so with these courses, I try to stay away from any type of mud and what have you. But it's, it has a freeing element. Be yeah. dirty. Yeah. I don't know if it's, coming back to your childhood mm-hmm. or just you know not having the limits of I gotta be clean I have mm-hmm. to be proper and just getting dirty there's something primal about it right like animals don't give a shit if they're clean or not yeah exactly. why, sh- why should we and like especially when you couple in the physical exertion it's kind of I do think it's freeing it, it, it takes you back to that sort of sort of ancestral mindset of yep. like just doing what you need to do to survive and it dials in your focus like you're no longer thinking about my phone my cleanliness you yeah. know all that kind of who's watching you just literally focus on getting through it yeah like, exactly that's, well and the camaraderie part about it we have a lot of people who sign up as teams to run together help each other out on the course mm-hmm. and really just make those memories together right and that's another part that sticks with you is if you can run with somebody, it's a whole different experience mm-hmm. than if you're running solo. But we found that even the people that are running by themselves that maybe just, you know, jumping into the pool with both feet, 
they get to the course and they start running on the trails and they meet friends like that. Right. It's it's quick because people in with these kind of events in this community, they're so inclusive to everybody and anybody. It doesn't matter what walk of life you are. Mm-hmm. It's it's if you're running solo and you're you're afraid, you're you're sort of nervous about something, you know, people will see that on the course and they'll welcome in welcome you into their group. It's a shared hesitation. Shared common goal, right? Yeah. That's exactly. so that's the most vital aspect of creating teamwork and creating culture. There's water there for you if you want. Perfect. Um, like they did studies on like um, exclusive and in- inclusive schools back in the sixties and when they were doing segregation versus integration. Right. Um, and the biggest factor in all these studies was not putting the kids together, but putting them together and putting them on a team. Yeah. So um, creating a creating an environment in which it was kind of like instead of having them all compete against each other to get the best mark, the knowledge that they were supposed to learn was piecemealed, so that you would only succeed if you worked with other people. And so once they once they instituted this common goal, that's when the integration numbers became far more successful. So when you put like back in the sixties, when they put whites and blacks in the same school, but typically you have higher socioeconomic white kids and lower socioeconomic right. on average, of course, and um, and and they would be put in the classroom together and just basically be a free for all. There was feelings of contempt developed, right, from both sides, yep. from the lower end kids who weren't as experienced in that classroom setting. Um, to the you know the rich have it alls and the other way around too of like you're holding me back or why do I have to be in this class this kid's not up to my level yep. so it was too much focus on the on the um, disparate nature of the two classes but when you put them together and make them work together that's what ultimately did it it's the same way when you think of uh, what's the football movie uh, Rudy no no um, I we were legend no no um, with Ryan Gosling's the pretty boy quarterback, uh, Matthew McConaughey is the coach. Um, shit, what's the name of that? Oh. I feel like I know it. Yeah, oh yeah, every, everybody knows it. Um, come on, I need, this is why I need a, uh, this is why I need a producer to help me with this show. But as it's soon as- It's funny, we have all this technology and as soon as I say the name, you're gonna. I think Matthew McConaughey played the coach. <laughs> It'll come to me. I'm quite sure. Um, but anyway, it's it's the typical like old school like back in the day football story where you've got like the kids on the field together and there's a little bit of racism and yeah. and you know a little um, a little jostling of character. But ultimately, when they realize they can't win without working together that's when that's when success and progress is made and then you see those bonds develop right yep no for sure so it'll be interesting to see uh to see you know that firsthand for me and also i'm really excited to see people's sense of success like Mm -hmm. of getting through the obstacles like for me and maybe i'm misguided but for me i'm not worried about any of the particular obstacles so much but um but who knows? And I think what I'm, I, I know, I know my answer to your question. I think I'm most afraid of, of really falling for these things yeah. and, uh, and getting addicted to them. Cause I just simply don't have the time <laughs> to be doing 10 to 12 of these a year. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Uh, and this is a perfect example is events like this give somebody 
not only a goal to work towards, mm-hmm. but it gives them a means to get there. So it's all about with these events, it's all about functional strength. It's not about really lifting weights, but doing things as simple as going for a hike with a 30 pound backpack on, you know, that helps because it's building up the endurance in your legs. Doing mm-hmm. something as simple as push ups, pull ups, burpees is really all you need to do to take on the monkey bars, to climb a rope, to scale a wall. It all it all plays off the basic fundamental movements. Mm-hmm. And so the best part about that is, and that's why we try to highlight the natural elements that we have all around us is, you don't need to go to a gym, you don't need weights. There's a tree right outside your door that will get the climbing, mm-hmm. the upper body, the lower body, all built within it, and it's fun. You don't realize, you know, you're going on a five-mile hike with a 50-pound backpack because your environment is changing, right? And same with exercise. You don't realize how much work you're putting into climbing that tree because you're just climbing a tree. Mm -hmm. It's that simple, right? And so we really try to play off that and teach people that, yeah, we you're doing the obstacle course race and you're doing this event, but... If you look at the obstacles you're going to take on at the route, it is really giving you a blueprint on how to work out outside. Mm-hmm. You know, when when we shut down the course and tear it all down and move on, you can still go back to that location and run those trails and climb that tree that you climbed over during the race mm-hmm. because it's all public. Right. There's nothing stopping you. Right. And so part of the element of, of why I like doing this and why I like doing the obstacles is that it is hopefully teaching people to get outside and uh, not really have any walls to the to your own gym, right? Right. Well, it's interesting, like gyms were designed to to allow us to do things physically that make us happy, that provide growth and excitement. But all that's doing is replicating our prehistoric environment in which the reason we enjoy doing physical things is because it led to our survival. Running so we could hunt, you know, working together as a team so we could be successful right. and over, overcome the, you know, the animals that you can't take down one-on-one. Uh, you know, even like fighting and grappling and all that, it's all because it was community building or survival enhancing. Mm-hmm. And so we've kind of gone like, all the way around to like now we just isolate that in the gym and then why are we doing that just in the gym when there's all the same environment that allowed us to do that in the first place go run in the river valley i saw so this morning at the gym i saw and of course i go to the gym still but that's i I just i just enjoy it and I i find it time effective um and it's hard to work out outside in minus 20 as well um or maybe i'm just soft but you'd build up to it yeah fair enough uh, but I saw a girl on the treadmill the other, uh, this morning and she was like running forwards and then she's running backwards and then doing side steps. And yeah. I'm just thinking, this looks like awfully precarious. And I couldn't help but wonder, like, if, if you're going to do that, it's 23 degrees out today. Why not just go do that in a field? Like, why are you in the gym doing that? <laughs> I think it comes down to comfort level, right? Because in the gym, depending on if you're new or old to the gym, the gym can act as like a comfort zone, it's a safe zone, right? 
you the people are all there for the same reason mm-hmm. and it's somewhat an isolated exercise because mm-hmm. you don't go there with a group of 10 people and no. work out together headphones it's very, on it's very isolated and so in that moment you can really just focus on yourself and tune out anyone around you where I think the component of being outside and just running on the trails or have you well now you're exposed to anybody and everybody mm-hmm. and I think that's more the mental component of why they don't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a strong believer of the outdoors, the sunshine, the fresh air, the uh, the ever-changing environment of the ground when you're running on the trails mm-hmm. really helps with those smaller muscles in your legs, mm-hmm. your lung capacity, things like that. Uh, so I'm a big com- proponent of getting outside and and sort of doing away with, with the gym. Mm-hmm. but. I also see the benefits of the people that you know are more the focused on what they want to do, and then for some that's that right. works right. But these groups that you're seeing around a town, you know, Free Fit November Project, mm-hmm. there's something to be said about that community component to it, right? And I think when you talk about the outside component, uh, it can be well. I think it is a lot more fun mm-hmm. and energizing and. I've found with the clients that I've trained over the years and myself, it's that component of fun that sort of instills the passion for living a healthy lifestyle into people. Right. And, you know, going away with the vanity side of it, if you focus on the fun component to it, well, you know, if you're if you're out to go for a 5K run or walk because it's fun and it's enjoyable, well, you're going to see way better results than if you're forcing yourself to walk on a treadmill mm-hmm. over time, right? And you won't realize it until one day you, you know, try to put on a pair of pants and they are all of a sudden way too loose. Mm-hmm. You go, oh, well, all I've been doing was going for a walk with Judy in the river valley. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And that uh, that creates longevity too. If you have the passion for it and you enjoy it, that's the longevity that a lot of people are missing with these, you know, yo-yo diets and right. the... Uh, what's it called like new year's resolution type yeah. of mentalities that fall yeah. off around february march mm-hmm. yeah that's the stuff that sticks is the passion right i guess and you can't ever infer someone's reason or no, or, sure. or motive behind doing it right like as much as as much as i like working out outside as well like you just simply can't find an effective bar with 400 pounds to yeah. lift off the floor True. right True. i'm not you're not going to go start lifting people's smart cars up by the bumper <laughs> So there's elements that, that you can do that too. Maybe someone's got allergies. Yep. <laughs> they can't exercise outside. But um, it, there is something to be said about becoming comfortable enough in that social environment because I think, again, it, it comes back to that momentum of, of self. For me, sociability is the same way. If I go three quarters of the day without talking to anyone, I don't want to be in a social environment. Yeah. But if I've had a couple meetings early in the day, said hi to the guys at the office, or been on a couple phone calls, I'm all for it. Like I'm ready to take on anything, right? Yeah. Any social scenario. So, and not to say, well, I mean, maybe I am saying that isolation is not good, and sociability is is better. Um, but you know, everyone's got their own way of operating, I suppose. Um, so I want to talk about something that you glossed over yeah um very casually but i had no idea about it until this morning the fact that you have ms yeah i had no idea until you said that um it's very hard to see so well and and we never met (laughs) never met before and you don't you don't advertise that as part of the rise up challenge at all 
Um, but you discovered it in 07 while you're backpacking in Australia. Yeah, it was, it was in 2007. I went to Australia for a few months originally to move there indefinitely, but you know, couldn't get a, couldn't be able to sustain that over the long term. And mm-hmm. so I came back after about three months, but during that time, it must've been about a month in my the side of my face started to get numb where I couldn't feel it and was tingly and what have you. So I went to a dentist and they said, oh, maybe it's, maybe your gums infect, what have you. But over about three weeks, that feeling went away and I got, you know, feeling back in my face and everything was good. And then again, when I flew home to Canada, three, four weeks later, something else sparked up. My hands weren't working. So we thought, okay, well, maybe there's something to this. Maybe this isn't just, you know, flying. And so that's where my doctor went for meteorologist and met with him and over the course of some tests, mm-hmm. you know, it was determined like, oh, all this numbness and this, you know, loss of function, that's MS, that's multiple sclerosis. Right. And so then you start on the path of the MRIs and the blood tests and what have you to confirm it. And so that was confirmed in 2007. And so over the years, the, the um, symptoms have been, you know, anywhere from, you know, I remember one year, right before my birthday, I lost the use of my eyes. And so it was almost like, if you can picture a movie screen where the film is keeps skipping and just up and down rapidly skipping that's what was happening to my oh, eyes shit inadvertently yeah and so that was kind of a pain in the butt and that lasted about three weeks and so things like you know lost the use of your legs for a few weeks the hands whatever it may be but the the way to solve that is getting steroids going on around to those for a while the, and bringing back the function in your in your body in your limbs but the downside to those drugs is it makes you super fatigued mm-hmm. and it's not a good quality of life and so that was kind of come and go over the years over the years and in back in the day so this would have been 2013 the the solution and even now the solution to sort of maintaining MS is needles daily or weekly I think they have pills now but it's basically taking medicine taking drugs mm-hmm. and pumping yourself full to sort of counteract or, or you know keep the symptoms at bay right and I don't know really where I'm going with this but that sort of is the process over those years and it's funny because there is no guarantee that these drugs will help you so it's funny because you know you you almost take them with like blind faith that if I pump these drugs into me every week or every day, mm-hmm. th- they'll be a positive, right? But the side effects to these drugs can be so severe where the benefits do not outweigh the side effects. So an example is I was on this one drug where you had to take it every week. The needle was probably three inches long because it had to go into your muscle tissue. Mm-hmm. So you you and it would uh, and it would be so painful. So to maintain some kind of quality of life, at least this is what I did. Is on Friday after work, I would inject this into my leg, mm-hmm. into my quad. Then over the course of twelve or twenty four to forty eight hours, you experience all the side effects of you know, flu-like symptoms to hypersensitivity of the skin where 
if you were to just run your finger across your arm, it feels like you're running a blade across your arm. So you can't sleep, things like that. Now, would you get side effects every time you take a treatment? Yeah, every every week. And so, knowing that it takes you know 24, 40 hours for these to sort of flush your system, mm-hmm. you would take it on Friday, knowing that you'll be somewhat doable for Monday morning. Jesus to go back to work, Christ. right? But the with this drug specifically, the one hard part is it's like uber suicidal tendencies. That's like one of the major ones, right? And so then you you know you take these drugs over six to twelve months, so you start getting those thoughts and whatever. Mm-hmm. But the one thing, so for anyone who has MS listening to this, the one thing that helps helped me anyways with those kind of issues was that knowing that my original personality was positive, upbeat, happy. Mm-hmm. Once you get those thoughts, you know, well, this is the drugs talking, right? right. So you can so be self aware of that. You're self aware, yeah. so you sort of ignore the, those side effects right but after a while it's it's just unbearable mm-hmm. so you go off those drugs and so it's not like an anti-depression med- medication where it's like oh it may cause all these things but probably not this is like the warning should be probably will cert- almost certainly cause that was, one that of these that was my experience anyways and so I think that was <laughs> that was around 2013 so I said the hell with that so I went off all drugs mm-hmm. and completely just lived my life without any drugs mm-hmm. to help this MS and my MS was quite dormant uh, for a few years. And I found, you know, through decently healthy eating mm-hmm. and physical activity and exercise, that helped prevent those relapses of, you know, loss of arms, loss of legs, what have you. But they would still flare up every once in a while, and then you would take the steroids and fix it back up. But then it wasn't until 2014, 15 during the races where my. MS sort of, I guess, elevated to the next level of it where I was having issues that the drugs wouldn't take it away, right? So right now, in 2018, the one major issue I have is my left leg drags, right? Mm -hmm. So my left leg muscles are not lifting or is not responding Mm -hmm. as much as my right. So my right's trying to compensate and ends up dragging my left and what have you. And so running's pretty hard, things like that. Even exercise, you know, you get really fatigued. But there's a drug that, or a treatment called Lentrata that statistically is the closest thing to a cure mm-hmm. when it comes to MS. So in 2015, I went on this drug. So it's a intravenous that you take for two years. So you do a one week run of it. Mm-hmm. And then a year later, you do another run of it for three days. And that is supposed to you. I guess not fix the issues, mm-hmm. but it stops the issue, right? From Prevents pro- it from getting from worse. From progressing, right? So that happened over the course of two years. And since the end of 2016, I haven't had any new symptoms. Right. And I always believe that, you know, with MS, basically your, your brain or your immune system is attacking itself mm-hmm. and sort of breaking down the connections from your brain to your muscle systems. Mm-hmm that are telling you to lift your leg, what have you. And so my thought was, well, if it's not no longer attacking it consciously, well, now there's an opportunity to start healing. Mm-hmm. And so ever since 20, end of 2016, when the treatments were finished with Lentrata, I've been doing physio and, you know, trying to get exercise, and it has actually improved my leg. Right. And so my quality of life's a bit better. still flares up and what have you, but yeah. I definitely believe that, you know, with MS, with any 
chronicle problems mm-hmm. it is there isn't just you know here's it's not black and white right there's there's just I always saw it when you know I'd work with people is that it was just a, like an obstacle that I had to overcome right figure out a way to work with it right you know even I'm not a fan of running like like you but you know even when I try to sort of get into running because I know the benefits and knowing my leg doesn't work figure out okay well maybe it's I'm hopping with my right so then I'm getting or I'm bounding instead of just running mm-hmm. so that my leg lifts up and it doesn't drag and I don't trip and hurt myself but mm-hmm. I think with any of these problems it's it's really about how are you going to deal with it and I notice a lot of a lot of there's two ways you can go positive and go okay well this is just uh, something where I'm going to have to tweak part of my life and, and just figure it out work with it and then there's the other flip of it where you know the depression the negativity of mm-hmm my life's over and there's nothing I can do about it mm-hmm. uh, that a lot of people do go into but I think it's really just it's the mindset right going back to how you look at things your perspective on it yeah but yeah like right now with MS it's it's not really affecting me I know it affects a lot of people in different ways but it'll be interesting to see if this fix that I took in 2015 if it is going to suffice mm-hmm. and I'm just this is how I am for the rest of my life or if you know 10 years from now if it starts to revert back because the drug is quite new where right. they don't have a patient who has been on it for 20 years you know where are they now I think it's only 5-10 years where mm-hmm. they're starting to see okay well 5 years after treatment this happens or this doesn't happen mm-hmm. so yeah you just kind of deal with it just so that obstacle right well, it's no wonder that you got so addicted to these because it kind of parallels exactly sort of the battle you're facing internally. And, and I think you're exactly right with the mindset. You can look positive or negative instead of at looking negatively at like, what can't I do anymore? Yeah. You look positively like, what can I still do, right? Yeah. And I'm sure that, that goes a long way of, of and obviously I've never dealt with anything of that severity, but I've had you know various knee and hip injuries where you're unable to do the things regularly that you would do for a given period of time Mm -hmm. and you adjust slowly and you're like okay I just can't do that anymore so you take that off the table and then you just focus on all right what can I do I can Mm -hmm. still go do the x y and z uh, and you just sort of make it work but I think that's life is struggle and that's the only way to get through it is to Mm -hmm. just figure out how to overcome those struggles one after the next after the next and it only makes you a stronger person for doing that yeah well I think it's it's interesting because you can take that uh, that struggle or what have you and almost use that as an, exa- as an example for other people 100% to uh, to almost compare whatever they're going through with other things that you know they might see MS as you know they might not understand so they may see when they hear oh someone has MS they might go oh that is just that's horrible Right, and so now if that's how they are phrasing it, mm-hmm. and then if you turn around and tell them, well, actually, it's it's a manageable issue. You're like, for some people, it is for me. It's yeah, not it's horrible. manageable, and look what look at all these things you can do. Right, right. Uh, it it almost acts as something that would empower other people mm-hmm. to go, okay, maybe I should just reframe whatever my issues are, yeah, uh, and look at it a bit differently. And in some cases, it helps them approach their issues a little differently mm-hmm. and so that's what I've tried to use over the years because uh, I didn't get into personal training until 2009 
so I've already had MS for a few years but whenever I made my clients do exercises or or take on things that you know at face value it looked impossible it was way too hard and then I would practice it and show them and them knowing that well I have all these issues myself mm -hmm. uh, and they don't they're in better health technically right. uh, if I can do it well then of course they can do it as well and sure enough they would you know they have that little bit of confidence now because well if Cody can do it I can do it yeah and uh, they take it on and sure right. enough they succeed and then they get a little bit more confidence and and then I keep pushing them harder and harder <laughs> things until one day they're uber confident and mm -hmm. they're loving life and they have that passion uh, to enjoying life. Do people uh, who take their physical ability for granted, does that frustrate you? No, not no. at all. To each their own, right? Everyone has struggles. So you can't walk down the street and see someone who looks super athletic sitting on the couch or sitting at McDonald's and go and judge them and go well you're wasting your life what have you mm -hmm. you can't do that because you don't know you mm -hmm. don't know appearances is deceiving okay but yeah not so let's not say someone who's who's already physically fit but someone who has the capability someone who's biologically sound they don't right. have any issues right but they're just lethargic or lazy yeah. or unmotivated like does that frustrate you in, in seeing that untapped potential in other people like knowing that you're pushing yourself to uh, you know what you can probably say is honestly your, your max potential or, yeah. or maybe just shy of because we're always capable of a little bit more than we think does well it, does that fr it frustrates me as an able-bodied uh, person right well like, I think, I don't know if it frustrates me. I think probably back in my earlier years mm -hmm. where, you know, I may not have the wisdom that I do now. <laughs> How uh, old are you now? 34. 34, okay. Uh, it, it probably would have frustrated me. Mm -hmm. But at this point in my life, it's everyone has their challenges. And you never know the story right behind the cover. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and go, I'm this uber-athletic super fit guy like I love junk food I I almost in a sense stay active so that I can eat yeah so I'm in the same boat as you the food. <laughs> I don't uh, I don't worry about that stuff and mm -hmm. you know I have my lazy days you know especially the ones where you're intellectually mentally strained mm -hmm. because of a long day it's nice to just sit back and, and almost turn off the the mental capacity and, and watch TV or whatever right and just right as a way to unwind for the yeah. next day where it's really hard and so you don't I, I, I try not to anyways like judge people and go mm -hmm. well you're just being lazy or what have you because I'm lazy too some days mm -hmm. I love to eat junk food too so to each their own I have this weird thing in me where when I see weaknesses that I either know I have deep down or that I yeah. used to have that's what riles me up more than anything like if when I see untapped potential because I spent a lot of years not reaching or not fulfilling my potential yep. that that frustrates me because it's because it's a reflection of myself and it's weakness I see in myself so yep. so I, I, I'm sure there's a lot more to psychologically unpack there than either right. of us are capable of but I think that that has a lot to do with it for me is is and that's why I try and you know push people and motivate people like I'm I'm hard on the people closest to me like yeah. people who are closest to me are the people that I'm hardest on just because I think it's it's more useful for them in the long term and for me uh -huh. to feel to feel uh, comfortable in, in telling them how I think it is, uh -huh. right? And maybe I'm wrong, but it's how I see it in, in my view. Well, they always say the things that 
frustrate you about other people is really the stuff that that it's almost like you know the pot calling the kettle black or whatever that mm-hmm. cliche is it's mm-hmm. it's you're frustrated about that because really that's the stuff about yourself that you don't really like yeah and i think the being self-aware you know going back to being self-aware helps cope with that type of thinking mm-hmm. because you go okay well why am i really you know always asking yeah. why yeah. Uh, internally i think helps a lot with yeah. me because yeah there's times where you go oh i hate when that person does that <laughs> or they they don't do that or they're being procrastinating or what have you but if you look at it, you go well i oh, i procrastinate too and mm-hmm. and i kind of have the similar tendencies and mm-hmm. yeah for me the fit where it help, helps you cope with the frustration anyways yeah absolutely have you seen um or heard of living proof no nope. documentary no nope. oh really you'd like this one so it's um it's a documentary that just came out last year it was at uh, the toronto international film festival done by a guy named matt embry okay. and he was in 97 diagnosed with ms okay. and it's his documentary on his struggles um but also his battle against big pharma and the inefficacy of these treatments yeah. exactly that you mentioned and he actually talks to doctors who are origin- on the original like drug review boards back in the yeah. 80s and they talk about how there was no long-term evidence that these drugs had any efficacy and that yeah. like you said oftentimes in the um in the short term the side effects can be can far outweigh the the fleeting benefits if any right uh-huh. and that he's learned to mitigate as much of his symptoms as he can through diet and exercise yeah. and sim- similar to yourself um but i was just at the alberta film awards in calgary a few weekends ago and that freaking thing cleaned up <laughs> yeah, i haven't seen it yet but it won like everything it was nominated for i'll have to check it out because yeah the it's interesting when i finally went off all the the needles and the medication just by simply trying to exercise and eating decent it helped a lot sort mm-hmm. of keep the ms at bay and i would notice that you know if i went on vacation with my wife and we sort of didn't eat the greatest for a week or whatever yeah when i got back to canada mm-hmm. those symptoms would spark up and i'd start feeling feeling problems and yeah. so there's something to be said it's not you know definitive research or anything but there's something to be said about listening to your body mm-hmm. and sort of self-correcting yourself yeah uh that can go a long way so ms is the degeneration of the myelin sheaths around the neurons so yeah so so from what i've been told yeah so scientists or anything so we learned this in psychology essentially all your neurons are coated with this myelin sheath right and that helps it's like it's like coating around a, a cable that helps the conductivity right, right. of it. Yep. So as that degrades, the the signal going from your brain to your muscle mm-hmm. gets interrupted, right? Yep. So that's why you get the, all of a sudden the hands aren't working or the eyes aren't working. It's because yep. the signal is being interrupted um, between the brain and that. So it makes sense that if you do things to strengthen other brain body connections, because the brain is so malleable, right? Yep. And the brain can form other other connections if some are if some are um, broken. So, for example, if you lose your arm, that area of the brain that's responsible for that particular arm is innervated by the surrounding neurons, and it and it creates stronger pathways to other parts of your body. So, I can see a situation in which, say, the the myelin sheaths closer to the brain 
or degenerated, but you're continually training that part of the body that's not working, your brain might be um, creating other ways of the neurons mm-hmm. to get there. Yep. So that could you could constantly be fighting back potentially. What's what's crazy is that they haven't figured out what causes that degeneration yeah. and, and why it's an autoimmune disease and why the body starts attacking that. Well, I think it's from what I understand, at least this is what the Lemtrada was, is Lemtrada sort of resets your immune system. Mm-hmm. And that's why during the treatment of it, it's so hard on your body because it basically takes out your immune system and then forces your body to create a new immune system, a fresh one. Crazy. That technically isn't programmed to attack the brain or attack your attack your body. And so that's how I understood it anyways. Mm-hmm. And so now that I have a fresh or an updated immune system, it sort of has kept the MS at bay mm-hmm. with where it was at its current state. And with the physio and the exercising, I'm finding it improving the functionality of it, right? Yeah. And so I don't know, like to what you're saying, I don't know if that means I'm training myself to connect different pathways to my leg or use the current existing ones more efficiently yeah exactly right yeah but yeah with no you know they say that the only way you could cure ms or something like this is if you you know stumps stem cells right if you can rebuild that you can like start fresh and and rebuild the entire thing but super interesting and i wonder like because canada is supposed to be one of the highest prevalent nations of ms right like what is that about i know they there's two factors there's no there's no rhyme or reason to the cause, right? But it seems like people of Northern European descent right. are afflicted to a higher degree. And I think the other one was I'm just trying to remember back to my the research I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't now. <laughs> um Yeah, so anyway, it's super interesting. And it's something it's it's incredible because it's it's a it's a disease that I really didn't know anything about. And, six months ago yeah i knew what it was called i knew what caused it i guess i knew a bit about it but i didn't know anyone with it yeah and now all of a sudden like as i taken up the ms bike all of a sudden i I know four people within my network immediately that have it and i'm so much more informed and so much closer to it now and so it's it's nice to like get involved and sort of be understanding of that Uh because you know like overcoming obstacles you see yourself you see other people overcoming obstacles and it makes you more grateful and it makes you more driven as well yeah well it's it's just um it's it's one of those things that you don't it's not something on the surface unless it's gotten to such a degree where you know you're wheelchair bound or you you need a walker to keep stable what have you but it uh on the surface you just you would never know right right And, uh, and most people uh, I don't know if they're embarrassed with having to talk about stuff like that because it shows them shows weakness, right? That's that's what the perception of it, mm-hmm. and so you gotta. I don't. Know, I find it's it's uh, what's it called? Therapeutic for me to talk about this kind of stuff and teach or help other people mm-hmm. understand because especially with the ones that I've talked to people with MS before and you know, sort of my journey and where I'm at and my level of health and what have you. And a lot of them are surprised by it because relating it to their own journey with MS, it's, it's not parallel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it just gives them hope, hopefully, right. that it isn't, there may be ways around it, mm-hmm. depending on how severe it is. Right. Because there's four stages of MS. And so, 
you know, the first stage, I think it's 10 to 15 years, uh, theoretically, and then it starts to break down further. Right, it goes from like relapse just, remittance yeah. to progressive remittance. Yeah, exactly, to, to where it's just, you're, you're in a constant state of issues and it just degrades, right? Some people go straight to that, right? Like some people yeah. skip the yeah. remission uh, uh, relapse stage, right? Yeah, I'm just, I just can't imagine because that would just be tough, especially if you get it young. A lot of people don't get MS or isn't diagnosed until they're in their 40s. Yeah. But for those that get diagnosed young, mm -hmm. if they had the accelerated version of it, that would be tough. Yeah, no right? shit. I remember what it was. Women are three times more likely to have it. That's crazy. Isn't that it's so yeah. weird? Like how, those are such specific things, Northern European descent and women, three times more likely. You'd think they'd be able to narrow something down. Yeah, right? it's, it's interesting. They... There's so much research done on the brain, but yet we know so little. Right. It's right. like we just keep finding out how much we don't know. And we find oh, out yeah. more and more about what we don't know. Um, so you just had a your firstborn child, right? Yeah, two, well, two years ago almost Two years, now. yeah. But yeah, it's a whole new adventure, a whole new obstacle, I guess you could say. That's. <laughs> I like that you look at your life as just a series of obstacles. Yeah. Have you read The Obstacle is the Way? By Ryan Holiday? No, I haven't. It sounds like it'd be right up your alley. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to take a look at it. Yeah, so how's fatherhood treating you? I love it. Yeah? It's, a, it's I think, the most interesting part. It's funny because it's the cliche of, you know, it, time goes by so fast. Mm -hmm. So when you're in the moment, you don't quite see that. You know, when you're changing diapers and and you, they're completely dependent on you, mm -hmm. you, you sort of count down the days of when they can walk or when they can dress themselves or what have you. At least I was, but then to now look back at last two years ago, and to go, holy cow, it does go by fast. No. And now our son Zayden is just running around, and he's climbing up and down the stairs. And then we constantly have to watch so that he doesn't climb up something and then jump off of it. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, it's a different kind of worrying mm -hmm. about things, you know, focusing on something other than yourself, right? And almost putting them before yourself is a whole whole different playing field mm -hmm. but it's very very exciting i feel like every day this kid is learning more and more and more and he's speaking more and more and more and uh it's gonna it's gonna probably feel in retrospect when you look back at it you know 10 years from now it'll feel like a week right but it's definitely uh and when you have kids you'll play if you're gonna have kids but once you have kids you'll you'll definitely appreciate your own parents a lot more <laughs> fair enough because yeah. you you just don't uh you almost can't even fathom right uh what it takes to be a parent until you are one walk a mile in your shoes kind of thing yeah have you given much thought into like parenting style and like how that will allow you to sort of transpose the the values that you feel are important for your kid to take on uh i think and i think me and my wife are a little different but i'm more of a trial and error type of that's how I learn yeah uh, in my professional life and my personal life is you don't learn until you make the mistakes mm -hmm. and so I'm very of the matter of let him fall or you know let him burn his hand on the stove whatever so that you learn right yeah and then you don't do it again where I know this with a lot of parents that might be more cautious mm -hmm. to well let's not get to that point where he, he burns his hand on the stove mm -hmm. right let's prevent that where I've always been and I think I was raised this way where you, you learn by doing mm -hmm. and by making those mistakes and correcting. Mm -hmm. So we'll see as he gets older how how our 
parenting style evolves. But, you know, listening to you, I'm a very, I learn through visual or for listening. And so mm-hmm. listening to podcasts and self-help and things like that, mm-hmm. you know, one of the, the quotes that always sticks with me and is definitely related to parenting is that every river starts with a drop of water and if you took a stick or a twig and put it in front of that drop of water, that little stream, that you would divert an entire river over time, right? Right. And so thinking back to parenthood, Mm -hmm. well, what we do now when he is just a little stream or a drop of water, that's going to basically give a blueprint and give him sort of the path of that he'll go on. And so things like when he's old enough to play sports, you know, yes, give him all the means and, and let him try out everything, mm-hmm. but also have the structure to make sure he sticks with it, right? Even now he's two and one day he loves spaghetti, the next day he hates spaghetti and he yeah. refuses to eat it. There's no rhyme or reason to it. That's just how he's feeling that day. And it's not mom's spaghetti versus dad's spaghetti? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird. Yeah. Right? And so that's an interesting all in itself. But knowing that that's sort of how kids are mm-hmm. is their attention spans is, is every which way. You know, having the, and this is more the responsibility of the a parent, I believe, of making sure they actually stick it through that, okay, well, you play hockey and you hate it one day. Well, let's just stick it out, you know. Let's yeah. give it a season, or let's give it a whole season. Yeah. And uh, and if you still are against it, then okay, moving on. Mm-hmm. But I think until they, they hit a certain age, you really have to be that that guiding mentor type of yeah. type of role to to sort of get them to where they're out of the nest, right. per se. Well, they're figuring out the world, right? Like what they can get away with and what they can't. They're yeah. figuring out the boundaries of their existence. And so, you know, if they say one day they like spaghetti and you say, okay, and then the next they say they don't, and then you say, okay, that's what trips me out about parenthood is like, okay, have you then instilled a lesson in which they can just say whatever they want to mold their reality or, or is it like, no, objectively kid, do you like it or not? Like what kind of accountability do you hold your kid to? Well, and I don't think they can be objective probably until they're in their teens. Yeah. But at the same time as a parent there comes to a point where there's so much pushback with the spaghetti mm-hmm. that you just say, screw it. Choose your battles. Hear whatever you want. <laughs> we just need to get some kind of nourishment inside of you right? so that you, uh, you, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. We don't really, at, at some point you go, I don't care if it's spaghetti or if it's broccoli or if it's pizza. Mm-hmm. You just need to get some food in you. Right. right but yeah it's uh pick your battles right to win the war yeah exactly so after uh the rise up challenge this saturday then what's the next obstacle for you uh well parenthood i guess parenthood. but ongoing one for yeah, at least but continue to to build up the challenge and mm-hmm. try to get as many people out as possible and affect as many lives positively mm-hmm. as we can uh you know me and my wife have really built this up into a brand that you know, in we're in year four, and I think just now people are starting to advocate for it and, you know, tell their experiences to their networks, mm-hmm. which is helping us drive more people to the event and mm-hmm. so that they can experience it. But it's just about continuing to grow and expose 
the event to other people and get them out and trying it right. right and even if it's they try it once and they don't like it that's fine because that decision to to take part in this event mm-hmm. may have sparked a passion for trail running right or just simply exploring the outdoors right i think a lot of people have lost that interest in the outdoors because everything can be done out of the out of the comfort of your home mm-hmm. And uh, the cleanliness of your home, I guess you could say. And something like the outdoors is so unknown from one minute to the next. I think some people have grown to be hesitant of it. Mm-hmm. And so even if all we're doing is getting people outside and experiencing the outdoors, uh, that's that's a that's a win for me. Yeah, absolutely. How many people are in this race? So on this one that you're gonna be at on Saturday. I think we're at about 100, 150. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's the norm. Mm-hmm. I think ideally, I wouldn't want any more than 500 people. Right. Just because, you know, the trails get congested and the experience gets diverted away from, hey, we're running this race as a community and, and we're a small enough niche to where I can get to know the person beside me where those bigger events it's it's tough because there's so many people it's almost intimidating for mm-hmm. some of the new people to oh, for sure. take part and then even with the trails the obstacles they get congested there's backup mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden half your race is is waiting right waiting to take on an obstacle or waiting to get through this trail right. so you'd, you you'd, do that yeah you'd you'd multiply the event before you would uh yeah before think, you'd expand it past if, 500 uh, or so if all the stars aligned and this event exploded and next year we had 700 people then i think i would we would just split it it'd be almost like a rise up challenge weekend right back right? to back days yeah. and then you could start building up a whole festival around it right yeah, yeah like exactly. the opening ceremonies yeah. and you could have all all sorts of stuff well, that's good i'm really excited to do it um where can people go to learn more about the event so the quickest way is just Google Rise Up Challenge mm-hmm. and it should take you right to the page where you can sign up, where you can learn more about it. You can see photos of stuff that we've done in the past mm-hmm. and all the high fives, all the smiles. But your best bet is just to Google Rise Up Challenge. Mm-hmm. If you want the actual website, it's riseupchallenge.ca. Yeah. But Google is your friend. <laughs> yeah, with Google, you can do anything. Yeah. Uh, and what are you going to be doing on race day? So... To paint a picture of, of what this next week entail, or at least the race weekend. So Friday afternoon, because it's public, you can't really set up. So mm-hmm. Friday afternoon, Friday night, I set the entire course up, put all the signage, put all the markings. Then closer towards three, four in the morning is when I build all the obstacles and set <laughs> those up on the course. Because that'll take about four hours. And then that leads you to about 8 a.m. That's where we set up the start line, the registration, set up all that kind of logistics. Mm-hmm. And then it's, you know. So you're all nighter for leading six up hours, to. And then I got to tear it all down. Jeez, man. So it makes for a long weekend, but, you know, seeing people cross the finish line and talking to the participants afterwards yeah. sort of makes it all worthwhile mm-hmm. to where, you know, not sleeping for 24, 48 hours doesn't become a big deal. Insane. Right? It makes it all this time and energy worth it. Yeah. To where, yeah. What's the, what's what I do? What's the hardest obstacle? So the hardest obstacle, well, there's a couple. So this one, because <laughs> the one thing about these races is I get to be creative, right? And 
feel kind of like the jigsaw guy from Saw. Like you get kind to of, think of ways to like yeah, torture it's, people. It's funny when I was doing training, I sort of became known as the uh, you know like dungeon master torture <laughs> guy because the my studio was in the home of, the basement of my home. Yeah. And so, and we would do just crazy stuff that seems ridiculous, but actually is good functional training. Mm -hmm. And so I had this reputation of, you know, this guy is crazy, he's nuts. And so my creativity spills out onto the course. And so the one, we'll talk about hardest obstacles. There's one obstacle where there's bungee cords tied to trees, like seven feet in the air. And you have to grab these bungee cords with your feet planted on the tree and try to get to a series of trees without touching the ground. Okay. So the fact that, one, you have to prop yourself up on trees while holding bungee cords that aren't stationary and they go up and down and, you know, it, uh, that'll be tricky for people to complete. Right. And I think that will be the hardest one. You know, doing things like 300 burpees is, uh, it's challenging, but it's not the end all be all but in a row like that. yeah Jesus yeah you start at one point you do long jump burpees until we tell you to stop <laughs> 100 meters 200 meters whatever it may be I changed my mind about what I'm most nervous about <laughs> at burpees but no we try to make it a good combination of lower and upper body and yeah. just all around fitness where I could go someone could run a race Saturday mm. they can go back the next weekend when there's no obstacles up and mm. still be able to complete 80-90% of them Right. Just because it's in the nature, it's outdoors. But definitely don't do a big workout the day before. Hey, if that's how you warm up, then I'm all for it. But the whole goal with this race is to have fun. All right. Right? Challenge yourself second, but always have that element of fun in it. Perfect. I love it. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. I just hope I don't come last. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> it doesn't really matter if you come last or not. As long as you had fun. I encourage people if... If they find an obstacle that they love and they had a lot of fun, do it again. Yeah. No one's stopping you. Yeah. Do it again. Or if it's too hard and you feel like you just don't feel confident to do it or mm -hmm. you've tried it once or twice, it's just hard, you just keep keep on going, keep running. There's yeah. no 30 burpee penalty like there is at Spartan. It's just you tried it, you did or you did not complete it, but you just keep moving. All right. Yeah. The All race right. is what you make it. Good. Looking forward to it. Cody, thanks for your time. Really yeah. appreciate it. Thanks for the honest discussion. And uh, yeah, I can't wait for Saturday. My pleasure. All right, see ya. See ya. Much love and thanks to all you people for listening to Cody and I chat about his race and his story. Look forward to updating all of you next week on my struggles through the Rise Up Challenge. Make sure you go check out his uh, Instagram and what he's about. Um, and hopefully you guys can all participate in the event next year.